Hello, welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skillbyte's author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I'm really pleased to have with us Chris Spurvey. Chris is a serial entrepreneur who has built and sold businesses and now works with CEOs, executive teams, and sales leaders on the establishment, refinement, and execution of sales strategies and processes that get results. Chris is the author of the book, It's Time to Sell, Cultivating the Sales Mindset, which Inc. Magazine called one of the top 18 sales books of all time. Welcome to the Skill Bites Show, Chris. So delighted to have you join us today. Judy, I'm uh, ecstatic, I'm honored, and I'm very grateful. This is uh, fantastic. Uh, And I really appreciate that introduction. That's a great one. Wow, you deserve it. Why don't you give us a little background on you and how you got into sales to begin with? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, probably like anybody listening or like a lot of people listening, sales wasn't exactly a very positive thing in, in my mind at a young age. Uh, got exposure to the sales uh, experience through a, a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesperson who sold my mom and dad a $3,000 vacuum in the early 1980s. And then they thought about how to pay for it. $3,000 uh, vacuum? Wow. Yeah. Like, a really yeah, good like salesperson. Yeah. And they, and they, yeah, it was like a 45-minute sales job. And it was a very structured, formulaic, formulaic uh, approach to sales, objection fighting. And, and I thought, if that's sales, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, but uh, later on in my life, uh, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and I, and I read a few of his other pieces of work. And uh, the suggestion that he had was if you are not the risk taker and don't uh, are not looking to start a business, but you desire to start a business, uh, then going into sales is a way to accumulate the skills that are necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. So I decided to take a leap of faith and decided to try sales. Uh, and uh, I, I fell flat on my face initially, uh, but the more I kept um, committed, stayed committed to it, uh, and found a way to sell that was genuine and unique to me, uh, my personality. The more I fell in love with the idea, and the more I started to gain some results. So, um, yeah, so that's how I I got into sales uh, back about 15, 16 years ago. What was it that you were selling? Well, uh, so I ended up joining. I, I had had an initial uh, exposure to sales prior to, I guess, my main success in sales, uh, a network marketing company uh, way back in the late 1990s. I decided to try it out and, and uh, had some initial success. So I, that was probably my initial exposure to sales. Uh, but uh, I really got into sales when I decided to leave my marketing job at a, uh, an insurance company. And I joined an IT consulting company, information technology consulting company. And at the time, we were only nine or ten employees. And they hired me as manager of business development. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so and the, kind of the rest is history. I, I really caught fire uh, in that environment. Uh, it's a, just a great environment to work and, and serve uh, potential clients. 
uh, and I really fell in love with the discipline of sales. Uh, and so we ended up growing that company uh, and we sold it to KPMG in 2013 and I became a part owner of that company. So uh, obviously had some success with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're uh, both cultivating was... the sales mindset. Yeah. What? Tell us more yeah. about the sales mindset. Yeah. Well, so um, the, the impetus for the book uh I mentioned that network marketing experience way back. Uh, there was a book that I wrote, I read back then called The Greatest Networker by John Milton Fogg. And it was a narrative. And I, you know, there's a whole idea of networking, right? Uh, the way John Milton Fogg wrote his book in the form of a narrative, it really changed the image uh, of networking on the screen of my mind. And I was able to go about networking in a far more powerful way because of this book. It was just written in such a nice uh, narrative format that, uh, you know, it was a story. So I said to myself after writing that, reading that book, that if I ever make it uh, in a bigger way, then, uh, you know, uh, then I'd love to write a book in a narrative format as well. Uh, So... I decided when we sold our, our business in 2013 to KPMG, I decided to take that opportunity to write my book. And I decided that I was going to follow through on that dream of writing a narrative and, and have it reflective of my personal journey to become more powerful and confident uh, and, and effective in sales. So that's effectively what I did. I, I hired a, you know, a coach and I got, got down to business on writing my book. Um, and it's really a, a reflective book uh, of my journey. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of mindset from my vantage point is, you know, if you can create a picture uh, of being able to approach sales in a confident, courageous, effective way, and if you create that picture uh, and you it's a vision, uh, then you will gravitate towards that vision uh, through each conversation that you have uh, out there in the marketplace. So I, I, it really starts there, right? Uh, creating this new image of sales and, and so forth uh, to, to kind of push forward with. Okay. And what other aspects yeah. are there that are part of that mindset? Well, uh, I mean, I think every day we wake up and open our eyes, we get an oppor- a brand new opportunity to choose our uh, mindset. Right, so it's a choice initially, uh, and over time, if we make conscious decisions on a daily basis uh, to choose a, a, a proper mindset that's going to attract new business and new new opportunities into your life, uh, then it forms a habit over time. So, from my vantage point, I, if I look at the ha- the attitude uh, and mindset that's worked really well for me, it really can be summarized in two words. It's uh, gratitude and, and expectancy. So gratitude, in other words, I'm grateful to be living on this blue green planet that we're that we have this opportunity to live on and I and I show gratitude towards it on a daily basis through writing out some some things that I'm grateful for. And I do that first thing in the morning. And then the second being expectancy, in other words, I expect the best and I expect to attract and and, uh, and find the opportunities that I'm I'm looking for in this world that it will enable me to live the vision I want to live and, and uh, the life I want to live. So, uh, you know, and, and unless we're grateful and we're expecting to, uh, to find these opportunities that are all out there, I mean, every opportunity is already out there in existence, uh, then, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to obviously uh, not attract them, right? So uh, that, that would be how I would summarize the mindset and attitude that has worked very well for me. Huh, that's a really interesting way to look at things, that the opportunities are out there, and if we're not consciously expecting them, then we're less likely to attract them. Yeah, yeah. And I, obviously, obviously, I mean, we could go down this Pollyanna uh, woo-woo path, and I, I personally don't shy away from that. I, I do believe in the law of attraction. Uh, because, you know, it's like a thermometer. If we, if we don't set the thermostat in the room to a certain temperature, then it's going to, uh, going to gravitate towards, um, you know, this, this sort of um, apathy state, right? So, uh, so we have to set the temperature in our mind of what we want to attract and what we want to become. And, and because if we don't, we're going to, they just gravitate towards sort of neutral and, and, you know, we have this opportunity in this world to be proactive or reactive. And I, I guess I would choose and suggest anyone listening to choose to be more proactive and go after it. Right. Uh, we're living in an energetic universe where energy is, everything is energy and all the energy there ever will be. And uh, it's already here. We just need to, put all the pieces together and form the life we want to live, right? And, and it all comes down to a choice. We can choose to, to put, piece all these things together and make the life we, wanna, we want to uh, we wanna have, or we can just be neutral. And, you know, sometimes and there's actually people out there who have, um, they don't realize it, but they got a negative vision, right? It's, uh, they, in other words, they think they are, their success to date has been through pure luck and, and uh, you know, luck. Luck, I don't really believe in luck as such. I mean, uh, I think it was Earl Nightingale who used to say luck is what happens when preparedness meets opportunity, and opportunity is there all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. concept there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that you have worked with a number of business owners who don't have this mindset, who are making mistakes in their um, their sales processes. Share with us some of those mistakes that we can sort of see. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that too. Maybe I need to be doing something different. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. You know, I think I think there's some fundamentals that uh, are hard to deny, and one of those fundamentals that I have chosen. Well, two. I'll, I'll share two with you. Uh, well, I can share many with you, but uh, uh, one of them is. You know, all revenue in all businesses grows through relationships. Um, and I have not been able to prove otherwise, or, and I haven't really even tried. I've chosen to accept that attitude that all revenue in all businesses grows through relationships. And so when we look at our activities uh, as it pertains to our business, um, and this is a, and it's not even, a, I mean, I think even, even a individual who's selling a book on Amazon uh, is that revenue that comes as a result of selling your book on Amazon still comes through relationships. You and I are forming a relationship right at this moment. I am forming a relationship with your listeners. So if we look at through everything through the lens of relationships, we take a far more proactive and deliberate approach to growing our relationships putting our best foot forward, 
being um, the type of person that attracts new opportunities and, and so on. Um, so that's a, that's one principle that I I really believe in. The second one I'll mention is um, uh, so you have all all businesses and all really and all all revenue and all businesses goes to relationships. Uh, and kind of the second aspect of that is uh, that in order to be effective at growing a business, uh, then we need to be scheduling time to be out there. And I, I say that. We are at any given point in time, one conversation away from a breakthrough. So being open to conversations and, and going into these conversations with a, uh, what I refer to as a diagnostic approach uh, to, the, to the conversation versus let me tell you what I, what I do and let, you can tell me what you do. Uh, you know, so that's telling versus having a conversation where it's diagnostic, it's asking the right questions and so on. So being open to having conversations, approaching those conversations in a very deliberate manner is uh, what I would suggest is, is very important, right? And really, uh, I challenge anyone listening who wants to grow a book of business, schedule time on Monday morning, first thing, uh, business development time. And so we do spend that hour uh, to two hours setting up your meetings for the next week. So Monday morning, this coming Monday morning, set up some time to reach out, create, uh, create the, the meetings for the next week, and then spend the rest of your week fulfilling on the meetings that, you, that you've set up in the prior Monday. So does that make sense? So you, you schedule business development time. You schedule business development time first, because if it doesn't get in your calendar, it's always the first thing to follow up, follow up. What are some of the diagnostic questions that you like to ask? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I have six questions, and uh, I can share all six of them with, uh, with your audience. And the first being, uh, basically, uh, tell me about your business. Tell me about you know what, where you are today, uh, and what. And so, so and I and I should note before I dive into the full six questions, uh, look at these questions through the lens of your business, uh, because obviously in the words I use, they may not sound all that applicable. But uh, you can take the questions and you can adjust them. So please tell me about your business today, or please tell me the story of your business would be the first question. And what you'll usually get there is some, some, uh, you know, some history, how the business was, uh, uh, the concept of the business was formed, how the idea came, and so on. And you gain, you gain all kinds of intelligence, uh, and it's an opportunity for you to listen intently, uh, you know, listen to key things about, and, and make mental recordings, or even write down a few jot notes that you can bring back into the conversation. Then a little later. The second question I usually ask is, where do you see it in the future? Say five years, three or five years, or whatever. You pick your time frame. And that's a visionary question. So in other words, you get, you get an opportunity uh, to have the individual you're talking to uh, share a picture of where they want to take the business uh, or their role or, or whatever, right? Uh, so that's the second question. The third question is, what needs to be focused on to get there? And, uh, you know, so what, what, what are the bridges that you need to uh, or sort of cross in order to get to that three to five year vision? Uh, question number four usually is what is going really well? So I usually uh, uh, ask a question uh, around that. 
the fifth question, what worries you, right? And so, so that's, that's five, five questions. And then the sixth, sixth question I usually ask is, you know, I usually play back the main ideas that I've heard and, and uh, you know, uh, and, and then I say, would it be helpful if, right? So would it be helpful if uh, I was to go back to the office and grab this white paper that I've written and, uh, around how to build genuine relationships uh, and I'll send it to you. And what I'll tell well, here's a little suggestion, never leave a conversation with somebody without those next steps. Uh, defined, right? And give your the person you're talking to, give them an action item as well. So they have an action item and you have an action item because that gets everyone involved in, in kind of the sales process, right? So hopefully that was helpful. Those are the six questions that I use and, and I would challenge people listening if they don't, if they've heard them and they don't think they're quite as applicable to their business, make them applicable, right? Come up with some diagnostic kind of uh, questions that are applicable to your business. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, it's not only a way to, well, you find out about them, but you provide value to them so that they're more likely to remember you and follow up with you. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Maybe I can just share a very quick tip because, uh, I mean, a lot of people listening may be saying to themselves, well, I can't see you meeting someone for the first time and uh, diving straight into these six questions. And I would agree. Uh, use it as a bit of chit chit chatting at the beginning, and, and if I can share an acronym uh, with with people, and I've shared it many times before, the acronym being FORM, uh, and the FORM stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Motivation. And what I will say is that if you can think through uh, those uh, four topics and ask questions, you'll gain all kinds of uh, you know. So where where do your kids go to school? Family, right? Oh, that's interesting. I, I know a teacher at that school. You know that teacher, right? Uh, occupation. So, you know, what do you do for a living? What drew you into what you do, uh, what you do, and, and so on, right? Recreation. What do you like to do in your spare time? Oh, you like to play tennis. Well, I like to play tennis, too, but I gave up because I have a bad knee now, right? Uh, and so on. So that's a great little acronym that I find. Uh, if people, once I share it with people, they have it in their back pocket. Uh, they never run out of things to talk about uh, at the beginning as a, as a rapport building uh, kind of formula, right? And what ends up happening is that if you go, if you ask questions, what always ends up happening is that they turn the table and start asking you uh, questions about your family, occupation, recreation, and motivation. So uh, hopefully that's helpful to people listening. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs just don't get sales and how to do them. Um, mm -hmm. You've given us some tips on how to sort of break the ice with networking questions. Are there some other tips that can help some of the members of our audience do a better job in sales? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we touched on a few of them, right? The principles uh, of uh, all revenue and all businesses grow through relationships. Uh, the idea of the diagnostic conversation. Uh, so not feeling like you have to be uh, a pushy, in-your-face, kind of stereotypical salesperson. You, you want to identify aspects of your personality uh, and your being that, are unique to you that you feel very comfortable with. So, for me, when I go, when I reflect on my journey, uh, initially I went out with that belief I had to be in your face 
all the time and and so on. Um, and what I did was I, I reflected on what I, what I truly am as a person. So one of the things that I am is I'm a naturally curious person. Uh, I like to understand other people and, and what motivates them and so on. And so by, by looking at it through the lens of curiosity, sales became a whole lot more easy for me because all I do is I ask questions and I be curious and I truly am genuinely curious. Uh, and by doing that, uh, it became far more uh, powerful and effective for me. Another aspect that I sort of zeroed in on in my personality is I love to help other people and I love to serve other people. Uh, I like to solve problems and, and so on. So these are aspects of my personal personality that I was able to truly leverage to get out there and and, and meet people and and do it in a powerful way, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, what uh, the the point around entrepreneurs in particular is that they uh, you fall in love with an idea, right? You fall in love with the with the sol- with the solving of a problem, uh, and that's what you do. You go after it, right? And and you build a business. But the most important aspect of a business is sales. It's it's truly getting out there and finding revenue and finding profitable revenue, and that's sales. And so I have a belief that the best sales, the most important salesperson in any business is the CEO. Uh, and if they, if that person can't be effective at sales, uh, then the business is going to be a failure because the the culture of the business starts at the top, right? So we want to create this culture where revenue and growth and, and getting out there is 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 highly regarded. Uh, so I really focus on that that entrepreneur, that CEO, and, and encourage them to embrace sales uh, and do it in a way that feels good for them, that they can wake up and be, and be positive and, and just get out there and be powerful. Have you worked with anybody who has, um, has not been curious, has not had that um, personality of wanting to be helpful or solve problems, and, and how did you work with them to get them to be better at sales? Yeah, yeah, I work with them all the time. I mean, my my consulting business is um, is all with my, most of my consulting clients uh, are uh, founders, well, businesses that are, are have been founded by. Uh, process-oriented mechanical engineering personalities, right? And I don't, I don't want to be stereotypical because there's lots of engineers out there with, uh, with you know, who are natural salespeople as well. Uh, but uh, I do find that engineers uh, as a group struggle a little bit with that soft, uh, relationship warmth, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so initially it's all about sitting down and getting to know that individual and finding out what makes them tick, right? Uh, and selling them on the idea of these principles we're talking on the, uh, about on this call, on this recording, and, um, you know, making them see through the eyes of what, what motivates people to buy. And the reality of it is, is people buy, make the decision to buy at a subconscious level and they feel, so they make the decision to buy based on how they feel and then they justify the decision logically. And so the engineering personality 
they have a tendency to only look at what 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 they consider logic, right? So it's the features, it's the pricing, and so on. And that's what an engineer, a lot of them, look look at uh, uh, sort of the buying decision through. Uh, oh my God, how can they? You know, they got they got to buy because the feature is this, and the process behind our business is is this, and and the pricing is 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 this. And little do they, well, initially, little do they realize it's about the how they make their prospect feel uh, in their presence. You know, so buy, getting them to buy into this is the first thing, and 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 then it's a matter of you know giving them some some approaches and holding them accountable to getting out there and starting to uh, change. You know, their their approaches a little bit at first, and then they sort of start to catch on and and. It's you know a bit of coaching, it's uh, uh, accountability, and so on. Um, in terms of personality uh, and things to zero in on, well, I guess you know really it's about ha- helping them identify uh, that that process-oriented side to their personality. So self-awareness is the most important part, and then what you do then is you you help them overlay. Uh, a more hope, more warmth uh, to their personality, uh, and so you know they leverage that process in the sales because sales is a process, right? Uh, so if they see sales through the lens of it being a process, but you help them overlay like the warmth and the nurturing and the caring and the service side of what sales truly is, uh, then they become powerful from that point on. That's pretty good if um, if you can coach people who don't have that to be able to be good salespeople. That's that's really yeah tough. yeah yeah. It, it it takes work, uh, but uh, what I would suggest I do is uh, I I'm a big believer in uh, really the one of the most important disciplines I think we should all study is psychology. Right? Well, how does the mind work? Uh, what are the aspects of of personality? Not to say I'm an expert. I I was I was telling a story this morning in a in a meeting with one of my clients that I I accidentally uh, became powerful in sales because I had the fortune of of almost failing out of my first year of university and I, and as a result I couldn't get into the faculty of business in my first year and I ended up spending an extra year in what's called general studies and in that year I did 13 psychology courses. Uh, and yeah, and it was it was through that thirteen courses or those thirteen courses that I I uh, fell in love with the way with the under with understanding how people make decisions and and so on, right? So I I think psychology is a is a great place to spend time uh, educating yourself on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You probably have some pretty good advice for people who get into a sales slump because it kind of hits everybody. Um, how, do yeah. you, how do you help people who are in a slump to get out of that slump? Great question. Um, so I pull up a little formula, and I, and I, I think the most important thing, and I'll go through the formula, the most important thing uh, to realize is that and we've been touching on it throughout the entire uh, few minutes we've been talking, but everything is a mindset, right? And we can very easily get ourselves caught in the sales slump uh, and convince ourselves 
of uh, why we're in a sales slump. And we, we see the world only through our own eyes. So it's, uh, right, I, I use the examples, uh, I used it this morning. I have a picture of my wife on the bottom of my laptop. And when I uh, want to make a point sometimes around perceptions and so on, I'll show people the top of my laptop and I'll ask them if, if there's a picture of my wife on the laptop. And they'll look at my, the, the top of my laptop and they'll say, well, no, there's no picture of your wife on the laptop. And, I, and I'll say, yes, there is. And I'll tell them to look a bit closer. So they look a bit closer and they're not seeing a picture of my wife on the laptop. I'm looking at the back of the laptop. They're looking at the front of the laptop. Uh, so there's a picture of my wife on the laptop. It just happens the laptop. It just happens to be on the back, and I'm looking at the back, right? So we only see through our own eyes, and and we need to take care and and uh, and really guard our mindsets and guard ourselves, uh, uh, you know, very closely, and and try to be as objective sometimes as possible. So. The formula that I've kind of come up with to break out of a sales slump is number one is try your hardest every morning to relive your past successes on the screen of your mind. So put together an inventory of your past successes in situations when, you know, despite being the, the odds being stacked up against you, you came out on top and, and made the sale, right? Or made progress even towards the sale if you're brand new, right? So play these mental movies on the screen of your mind as you start your day. Uh, instead of starting your day questioning your abilities, you know, start your day by proving to yourself that you're perfectly capable of helping your clients solve, uh, you know, their most taxing problems. Um, second step that I, I deploy is uh, spend a bit more time relaxing and, and creating a bit more white space in your life. So take time in your in between client discussions uh, to relax and diffuse any of the negative self-talk that you might have going on. And, you know, by relaxing your mind and body, uh, you know, you become more present and less uptight because uh, prospective clients, you know, they sense tightness. Uh, you know, you're, you're less likely to be the type of person that your client wants to do business with, uh, you know, if you're uptight and testy. Um, the third step I, I would suggest is do something certain uh, every morning to, to reinforce that positive self-image. Uh, so, you know, start your day off by maybe getting out and talking to an already existing client or someone who can, you know, give you some positive feedback, uh, right? So start your day more powerfully by talking to somebody who uh, is, is an ally of yours, you know? Set forth is use your mental faculty of reason, right? Sales is, one of the, is a very complex um, process. You know, there's a lot of factors in play. So if you're selling into a business, as an example, uh, you know, there's lots of various aspects to a decision and, and who who in the prospective client uh, is is helping a decision being being made. So you may lose a sale uh, and it might be completely out of your your hands. Right. So use this mental faculty of reason. You all have it, uh, you know, uh, and choose to choose to make decisions that are favorable for you. Uh, and then fifth, you know, take action, right? There's no denying the need for action in sales. You, know, you, you can't improve your results by sitting behind your, your computer all day and allowing self-pity to take over. Uh, you know, we need to get out of the building, as I often say, and get out there and, and start, um, start making some connections and just swing in the back. Uh, you know, we, we need to make multiple swings on a daily basis. Uh, you know, a professional athlete will tell you point blank that the only way to get out of a slump is to play and, and take shots uh, and in sales and, and, you know, so our sales activities, we, we must do the same, right? So, 
you know, these these steps I've described, they're all very much looking internal at ourselves and getting ourselves motivated to get out there and take the necessary action and and uh, and you know it's a it's a bit of a numbers game. Sales is at the end of the day. It's uh, there's no denying that you got to take swings in order to hit a few home runs, right? Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Good analogy because the best baseball players still only hit about three out of ten. So, right. Um, in sales, you've got to keep in mind that you're certainly not going to um, make a sale every time, and you can't make any sales if if you don't go out there. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, so it is a numbers game at the end, at the beginning of the day, and and you know, um, I, I encourage anybody listening that don't don't look at your relationships as as just sales, right? I mean, you don't know who your relationship knows, right? So I always take the I, I sort of suggest in the beginning take an indirect approach. You know, uh, uh, what that means is when you meet somebody, if you you know who do you know who uh, is a is a phrase I encourage many people to use. Who do you know who has this problem that you're that you're, that, that I can solve? And, and by taking that indirect approach. You'll often get well. Why are you asking me directly? Because I have that problem, right? And and by taking that indirect approach uh, in the beginning, you're taking the weight off of your shoulders to feel like you're selling a person, and you're taking the weight off that person to feel like they uh, have to buy. But all of a sudden, if you if you if you have a problem that if you have a solution to a problem that they have, they're going to also take uh, put up their hand. And so what it ends up leading to is a prospect, possibly. Uh, but potentially an introduction to a multitude of prospects. How does that sound? Are you still there? Sorry about that. Yes, I am still here. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great question because uh, it does take the pressure off of that person. Whoever you're talking to doesn't have to say, well, that's me. They can say, let me give it some thought. I think I might know somebody who needs that service or whatever and give you a referral. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I had you on mute because my dog is barking. <laughs> kind of annoying. I'm sorry about that. I have a golden retriever right at my feet here now. My my second one is downstairs. Uh, the the oldest one, is twelve years old, is is right is right literally on my feet. <laughs> uh, that's a cocker spaniel, and unfortunately, somebody rang the doorbell about fifteen minutes ago, and he's been yeah. barking since. Um. Anyway, onward. Um. Sales teams and hiring salespeople. That's that's a really big issue for people. Um, salespeople are so good at interviews, and yet so mm. many of them you hire that they don't really work out. Do you have any really good tips for hiring a salesperson and creating a sales team? Yeah, yeah great question. Well, I mean, what I'll say is um, oftentimes um, owners of businesses uh, tend to form the belief 
uh, too early that they need to hire uh, a salesperson. So what I mean by that is the founder is always the best salesperson if they embrace sales and they go about it in a deliver-focused way. The reason I find they're the best salespeople is that they have they are the story, the story behind the idea and the formation of the business. So I would encourage any CEO or business owner who is listening to try to avoid the temptation to hire a uh, a hired gun, so to speak, uh, too early. Uh, and they, I challenge any founder or owner on the on the phone to stick it out and, and arrive at a successful sales process um, before they they feel like they need to go hire somebody. Um, but when it does come time, uh, I really. Uh, we, you, you nailed it on the head that some salespeople, they, they're just really good at selling themselves and, and they, they almost make too big of a promise and they never really seem to live up to expectations. I, I personally uh, am a big fan of hiring uh, individuals who they may be straight out of university um, and, you know, they, they are eager, uh, hungry uh, for their careers, uh, in their careers. Uh, they are listeners first, uh, and they can ask insightful questions and, and plead ignorance, right? Go into, uh, I, I remember when I jumped into sales back about 15 years ago and joined this IT consulting company, I would go in and say, I'm brand new. I'm brand new not only to uh, this company, but I'm also brand new to sales. So I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you I know all the answers. Uh, I used to team up with the owner of the business initially, and we would go together. There's uh, two principles that I follow in sales. Number one, two, two additional principles, perhaps, because I've shared a few principles. But one that comes to mind is in order to be effective at sales, you got to get out of the building. And the second thing is never go into a sales convers a sales meeting uh, alone uh, if you indeed have uh, you know multiple people in your business, right? Uh, a four-legged sales call is far more effective than a two-legged sales call. Uh, so teaming up with somebody uh, and you know you can leverage each other's personalities to hit on on the, uh, the again the psychology of buying, right? Uh, so I, I'm a big proponent of uh, four-legged sales calls. So yeah, I mean, what you look for in a sale, in a brand new salesperson is somebody who's genuine, authentic, can listen, uh, doesn't overpromise and underdeliver, and uh, you know, um, and that's the type of stuff. So for me, it's I and I personally believe uh, females are phenomenal salespeople. Uh, I really believe that uh, that's why, it's probably why my most all my clients are female. Uh, I just find that the female personality is a far more nurture, has the ability to be a far more nurturing personality. And so I'm a big believer as well in females in sales. Well, sorry for all those uh, male salespeople out there, but um, <laughs> I agree that women do tend to be more nurturing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what being effective at sales is all about. It's about uh, truly nurturing uh, relationships and looking at everything through the lens of the lifetime that we're here uh, for, right? And it's not about the quick win and, and the, 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 
this is what creates this this belief that sales is something negative because you had salespeople who are, were quota fighting uh, machines and basically doing whatever it takes. And, and, you know, yes, you do whatever it takes, but you do it in a way that's authentic and, and uh, value-based, right? Well, I want to get back a little bit to your book. Um, tell sure. us a little bit more about how your book helped you. My book, uh, I jokingly call myself today Chris Burby 8.0. <laughs> In other words, we're always reinventing ourselves. And uh, this book started as initially just a passion project uh, because we, we sold the company and I was, I was vice president of sales for KPMG in Canada and wasn't already fulfilled and wanted to find something to the, that I could sink my teeth into and uh, decided to write the book as a passion project. And uh, what ended up happening is that when I got to the point I was about to publish it, I realized that thought of my mom and dad and a few friends and family, I had no one to buy it. So that's when I started to write a few articles and publish them on LinkedIn. I started my podcast, and um, slowly but surely, I caught a vision that maybe I'm actually suited to help organizations grow out their sales uh, and so on. So it really, it really beca- became the beachhead ultimately what I'm doing today, which is consulting organizations um, around their sales processes and strategies and relationship approach and so on. And I give a copy freely away to practically everyone I meet uh, because I believe in the idea of reciprocity. And I also believe in just giving people my story. And it's been turned into a phenomenal lead generation tool for me. Um, I sold lots of copies through bulk orders. Uh, I had one organization buy 6,000 copies of my book and never even asked me for a discount. It was that impactful, wow. right? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's been an a ma- absolutely monumental uh, thing for me in my life, is what I'll say to you. Cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. How did you go about with the, the publishing of it? I... Uh, I self-published my book, I guess, first and foremost. Uh, so for me at the time, it just was a, seemed like an easy decision to make. It puts complete control in my hands. Um, I, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I hired a coach who brought me through the writing of the, uh, the book. Um, his name is Stuart Horwitz. Uh, he owns a company called Book Architecture out of Rhode Island. And so he coached me through. Uh, initially, I thought I would needed a ghostwriter because I didn't believe I could write. Uh, but he coached me otherwise, and I caught on to a vision that, hey, maybe I could write. I, I could just need a few people, maybe somebody to edit my book and so on. So I wrote the book. Uh, I got a copy editor. Uh, I, I went reached out to a design company and so on. So I would suggest it was a very manual process, but it was guided. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's lots of lessons learned throughout, but, uh, yeah, so I, I published it on my own and did all the, did all the hard work of Kindle and so on, you know? So anyway, I mean, uh, you know, probably the people listening know all the things that you need to do. It's just that what I would say is I learned, I learned a little bit piecemeal. I never had a turnkey type of approach of say your company, right? 
Right. Well, um, it is definitely a, a way to go. It it is hard work. It is time consuming. It can be real frustrating. But you you yes. absolutely can do it yourself if you've got that yes. uh, that time and that interest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would do I would do it differently today because for me, I didn't. I didn't know there was another uh, a company like yours in existence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's on the the front burner? What's what's Chris Burvey going to be doing and focusing on for the next year? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. Um, I have a, a vision for my life uh, where I I see myself traveling a lot more. My wife uh, is a is a teacher uh, at a private school, and uh, she's taken this year off. Uh, my consulting business really took off uh, there about about a year ago when I left KPMG, uh, and I, my my company, my businesses, my my clients are spread all over North America. Uh, so I get, I get to do a little bit of traveling as a result. So she comes with me on some of them. I'm leaving tomorrow for Atlanta to speak at a conference. And she's coming with me, and on our way back, we're going to Toronto, and we're going to see my favorite hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, play the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. So uh, I would suggest I'm living my uh, my vision of being able to travel a little bit more. One of the things that I had done uh, prior to leaving my career at KPMG was I had built an online uh, university uh, where I have seven uh, sales courses that I had built. Um, and th- that was kind of the direction I was going. It was uh, when I was working. I, so I was working and doing this on the side. And then I left my career and really jumped in full-fledged into consulting. And I took the ball a little bit off. Uh, I took the eye off the ball uh, around my sort of online uh, presence and my courses and so on. So if I look at my next year, uh, I, I've, been, I've learned a ton in the last year of working with these clients. And I've been very careful to write out pieces of my practice and what I do, uh, write out processes and different things that people can learn from. And I want to, I want to create uh, sort of small bite-sized chunks of courses and, and videos and so on. So I'll, I guess that's a long-winded answer to say I try. I want to get back to uh, building my online university, uh, and that will that will kind of kickstart a bit more of what I refer to as passive income uh, that will allow me to do a bit more travel and so on. Great. Well, you can create um, little books, bite-sized books, to go with those courses. Yes, absolutely. And then you can put those up on. Uh, Amazon as well. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I love that idea. Well, yeah, and I, I and you know it's interesting because I've written. Which I'd love. Yeah, we should explore that because I've uh, I've written a hundred. I think I'm up to 170 articles. Uh, and typically, how I write is I kind of just get up there almost daily and do. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, the thought pro- the the process called a conscious stream of thought, uh, but Basically, I just start writing, and I don't have a topic in mind uh, when I start writing, but I start writing. And the more, and as I write, I begin, my subconscious starts to bubble, and I start to zero in on a theme, uh, and I just keep writing. And that's how I write my article. Uh, and then I obviously have to go back and edit all the sort of garbage at the front end. 
but that's how I write myself. And so I've got all these articles and, uh, and I just need to take them and maybe start to look through them and identify the themes and what could be a handbook and, and so on. Right. Very good. Excellent. Well, if you could, um, maybe share with us the one or two or three nuggets that you feel would be really valuable for an entrepreneur to take away from this talk today. What would those be? Mm, yeah, wonderful. Uh, all revenue uh, grows through relationships. Uh, this all can, you know, it takes time, uh, but sometimes can, things can happen quickly. Uh, you just need to be conscious, deliberate, and focused. Um, I would suggest, you know, and I don't know if I really zeroed in on it, but remember, we're not, we're not always just trying to sell, you know, whether it's, you know, one type of service or one type of work or one widget. We're trying to find ways uh, for us to be helpful and, and nurturing of our relationship. Uh, I would suggest we all have a lot more goodwill uh, than we realize it on any given day. We have our reputations and, and we should be deliberately building those reputations. Uh, so uh, focus on building our goodwill in the market. Uh, I would suggest doing great work uh, is a platform for doing more great work. So, you know, uh, we, we always should be focused on, on doing great work for the clients that we do have. And that becomes, um, uh, that becomes a sort of a, the foundation. Um, the idea that all revenue, you know, goes through that diagnostic conversation is, is, a, is another important principle that we talked about. Um, and then I, I also believe we miss opportunities almost at daily to, be, to develop our businesses. So we just need this idea of growth and sales culture and mindset is so important. And uh, yeah, so those are some principles that I would suggest uh, people would take away from this conversation. Wonderful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it, and I've learned a lot. Um, I'm sure the audience has as well, and um, really uh, enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed talking to you. It uh, felt like an extension of our first ever conversation. It was just uh, organic and natural. Very good. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you.